0: My contracting business made a total profit this year of $638,592 in 2023, and here are a lot of learning lessons and failures that I had along the way. So hopefully you don't have to repeat these same mistakes. So getting right into it, one of the very first things that I learned and where I failed is actually I think a little bit of this side of my life and my business doing content creation You know, writing everything down and going through my year and really learning as far as like what I did good, what I did bad. One of the things that I think that I really failed was giving you guys the full entire picture of my life. And when I tell you guys that I make $638,000 in my business, I'm being truthful. But a lot of times I feel like it might come off on the back end. Like my journey from zero to $638,000 was a nice, smooth ride the whole way. And in reality, this was probably one of the hardest years of my whole entire life. And it doesn't all just have to do with business. Like, yes, I had a lot of things that came up in business, which I'm going to get into and, you know, hopefully give you a lot of great value, but also in my personal life. Right. And, uh, you know, I realize I keep a lot of this to myself and I don't even know why, but I think in order for me to provide more value to you, I should be honest. So here's my best attempt at that. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I want to one, tell you guys what I went through also, so you could see like what I learned from it. Cause I think it's really valuable to me and I hope it's valuable to you. But basically my personal life was probably the hardest year I've ever had. Um, two out of probably like the closest, like five, six people in my whole entire life are really struggling. One of them attempted suicide twice this year. And I was the one that actually like found them in those States, uh, and then the other person in my life is actually struggling with like alcoholism, gambling, all that stuff. And, you know, I don't say this to get like pity or anything from you guys, because like that's the thing, right? We all go through our own personal battles. But this was really probably the hardest, hardest year where I was really trying to focus and do my best in business and manage a concrete company, a landscape company and do the online thing. And it was hard, right? Because you're, you're really caught in the balance of like, Man, like one, um, you know, trying to focus on your personal life and keep that all together, but also keep your business together. And there's times that it felt crushing. I felt like I had the whole weight of the world on my shoulders and that I couldn't handle it. But what I learned from that and what I think is valuable is, you know, coming out of all of it and things are on the upward swing going into 2024, which I'm like happy about. So, like, you know, cross my fingers that things are gonna keep going well. But one, what I really learned is as far as like stress management is to really only focus on things that I can control. And, uh, you know, it's really hard when you're watching loved ones or a business or something and not everything is in your control. And so one of my biggest learning lessons of 2023 is to focus on my specific, uh, day to day, basically like, am I putting in the work? Am I making the phone calls? Am I doing the things that I need to, to set not only myself up, but everyone else for success. And, you know, the other thing that I really look at coming out uh, at the very end of 2023, going through such a hard time is I've never felt more motivated to do well, which has been a huge blessing for me because, you know, there's, a, there's times in life when you're doing well and it's really easy to take your foot off the gas pedal, right? Like you're going to go a little less hard because you're like, man, I just work so hard and all of that stuff but I think kind of the blessing for me coming out of this year is to be honest, there was times of this year that I could have maybe bought support from my family, you know, like maybe sent to like a rehab facility or stuff like that. But I just like simply didn't make enough money. Like, and I know it sounds kind of crazy making as much as what I did, but it's like a lot of that money is coming out and then I'm investing it or I'm doing something or I have a lifestyle. Right. And so It was a huge wake up call to one, be more smart with my personal finances, but also like realize that in order to get to like the next phase of where I need to in life, I have to have like that burning desire. And I think that that's something that I can kind of like hope for you too, is that you'll realize that life is a lot deeper than just about yourself, right? And if you ever get to that spot in your life where you're feeling complacent, or maybe you just had a good year, maybe you didn't, but either way. Like in my opinion, if you're not waking up with that fire every single day, waking up early, putting in the work, like not getting tired because you have no choice but to be successful, then it means that your why, like the real why behind why you do things is not deep enough. And so I had a big curse this year of going through something that was really hard for me, but coming out on the other end, it's a huge blessing because it kind of feels like when I feel tired, it literally feels like I just remind myself of what I'm fighting for and who I, who I love and what I'm trying to be successful for, not just me, but for them. It feels like someone's holding a flame right under my ass and it's making me move, right? So I guess the key point is make sure you find out what your flame is and don't let that die out. So I hope that helps and uh, that's something that I'm gonna try to get a lot better at, speaking of which, moving forward, is I do want to fill you guys in on the hard things because life and business, business, it's not all about the good things, it's about the bad things too. So I want to be better at sharing that with you. The most, the rest of this stuff is gonna be a little bit more tactical. So, you know, moving forward, here's some of the other learning lessons that I had. And Caesar's concrete or my concrete company, at the very end of the year, we hit a little over three million dollars of revenue. So that's like the majority of my construction is coming through the concrete side of things, right? And as we look, you know, we kind of hit like a wall. It's weird because I've never had this happen before, because before I was really good at website and Google ads and Facebook ads, and that got us to a certain point. But then I realized that you can't just spend more money and get more results because by a certain point, right, I can't make people search on Google more. I can only rank one. And if I'm rank one, I'm only going to get as much traffic as what I get, right? And same thing with Google Ads. Like I can only force my way into so much. Same thing with Facebook. I can only pay my way to get so much. And this was one of my years where I actually felt like I hit a little bit of a plateau. So I'm going to tell you about like how I plan to attack that um, because I think it might be valuable and it's what I decided to do. So number one is we're getting more into larger jobs. So this year we actually completed a five hundred thousand plus dollar project that we're almost done with basically do a whole, doing a whole entire subdivision. And that really opened my eyes to, I was always so dead set on residential, residential, residential. Like I got to do more residential. Cause like I could charge way more in residential, but even though I charged less on this commercial job, I did really well. And the main thing is because we were able to work so fast, right? Um, the jobs were prepped up before we even got there. The job was graded. The dirt was flat. And it was easy. We'd come in, we'd lay forms, and we pour 30 yards, 40 yards a day just on this one job site while I'm running another job site. And it's like bang, 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 bang. And that really opened my eyes up to okay, if I'm capped on residential, at least for what I can do, right? I have a couple choices. I could either one shift my focus and get into different types of work add on, or I got to find out other ways to get more residential, whether that's experimenting with, say, for instance, maybe I want to do billboards or maybe I want to do direct mail. There's still a lot of things that I can experiment with, right? So, One of the things that I learned is that I got to learn how to diversify my portfolio a little bit more. Um, I think it was good because I think we really perfected the Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO side, and it's wildly profitable for us. But moving into the future, I'm going to be experimenting with with some cool things. So that's another big uh, learning lesson that I had. Number three, a big fail that I had this year is I tried to implement profit sharing. And what I mean by that, like I literally went at the very beginning of the year and I approached all of my employees and I said, like, think of like the way I kind of looked at it was kind of like Santa Claus is like, Hey, like if we do really well this year, you know, like I'm basically dangling a carrot way out in the future saying like, Oh man, if you're a good boy this year, I'm going to give, you know, Santa's going to give you a lot of presents. Um, but if you're a bad boy, you're going to get nothing. You're going to get coal. I know that sounds like bad, but that's kind of like the way I think about it. But the problem with that and what I realized is I was like, man, well, all of my employees are going to treat my business like their business. That was the goal. That was the objective. I wanted them to work fast. I wanted them to work smart. I wanted them to be efficient because I was like, well, man, if you're efficient, then I'm going to make money and then I'm going to share the money with you. So then, you know, I thought it was going to work. But what I realized is a lot of people don't have a long term, I guess, investment time horizon And I tried to like motivate my employees based on what I thought would motivate me. But what I realized is they really don't care. They see their paycheck day to day and that's what they care about. So moving into next year, I'm doing something similar, but instead of like dangling the carrot way out in the future saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to give you profit at the end of the year. I'm going to be building out a whole entire system that tracks the hours that they do directly to a job. And if they do a job under budget, they're going to get a bonus like on the spot, which I'm pretty dang sure is going to fix our big problem of efficiency, but I will keep you guys posted with that. So that was a big fail that I had this year, a learning lesson and a a mistake that I won't make again. Um, Another huge thing that I learned was equipment over employees. And it's weird because I always knew that, but I didn't realize how powerful that would be. I just bought a $250,000 dump truck and a bunch of other equipment. And I'll probably make more videos and tell you guys about, you know, why I bought those and what I bought all that stuff. But when I did that big subdivision job, and I remember, because I would call my father-in-law, he's my business partner. And I'd be like, Hey, like, why are we going so fast? Like, how are you pouring 30 to 40 yards a day? And keep in mind, this is with five people. Like, so for me, some of you guys might be like, well, D- Tyler, duh, dude, like you should expect that. But For me, that was a huge shock because compared to my residential stuff, I go do a driveway. It's going to take, you know, five guys a day and a half to do a thousand square feet, which is only 12 and a half yards. So and what I really realized was we're way too employee heavy, still less equipment heavy. Next year, I want everything to be completely different before any of my concrete guys show up. I'm going to have a dump truck, skid steer, all of that. The grading's going to be done. The demo is going to be done. The base is going to be in, and we are going to be able to fly through work. And even though my equipment costs, I might spend $3,700 a month in a dump truck. Now it should way offset as far as the efficiency that I should get for next year. So that was another big thing. And the next thing that I really learned was, and I would actually consider this a win. So maybe not like a lesson or a failure. But it was something that I've been experimenting with that was kind of self-validating. Because remember, as we're trying to improve as business owners, as people, a lot of times life is not just about bringing in new things, developing new habits, but not forgetting about some of the things that we did that worked for us and not to forget that. And so one of the things that I focused on was profitability over growth. So this year in particular, I really decided that I didn't want to spend that much time making my company bigger. I didn't want to hire a bunch of people. I didn't want to bring on a ton more work. I wanted to grow a little bit, but what mattered more to me was, hey, instead of growing the top line, I want to grow the bottom line. And um, I set a goal for us at the very beginning of the year to do 15% net, which we basically hit right on the dot, which is pretty cool. So I was pretty excited about that. And what I would say is I wouldn't change that looking back it feels a lot more comfortable, a lot less stressful when you're actually hitting the number goals that you're setting out and not on the top line, but on the bottom line. So moving forward, especially, I'm just going to like basically just telling myself that to not always get caught up on the big dollars, but focus more about how much money am I going to make? So I thought that was a big win for us. Um, The next thing, this was probably one of the things that, again, I would consider it being a win this year is I was a lot more relentless. And like, what do I mean by that? So, in the past, I'd be a very afraid if a customer approached me with problems. I would get very nervous, I'd be unsure of myself, and people would sense that, and they would take advantage of me. And I've been getting better and better every year, but this year in particular, um, in two specific occasions, I had a customer that threatened to sue us. And in the past, I would've been petrified. I would've been like, oh my God, like it was an actual, documents written by lawyers, by two separate people, basically saying like, if you don't do what we say, then I'm going to sue you. And this year, I think what really helped me. And I think like allowed a much better outcome is I remained calm, cool. And I was a lot more sure of myself and I wasn't nice. Like these people were threatening me and it's not that I was mean back, but I wasn't like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Like I was just like, I, all I did is I said cool, calm, and collected, and I stayed the facts. One person in particular, um, it says in my contract that we don't cover spalling. And the reason I don't cover spalling is because I live in Colorado. If you salt your concrete, it's going to spall, like period. There's nothing I could do for you. And so it's in my contract. It's also in an email that I send out the day after the poor. And this guy's driveway spalled. And he's like, I'm going to sue you because my driveway spalled and it's your fault. And I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, it's not my fault, dude. I'm like, we got into this agreement together. You know, he says he didn't salt it. I see why Mike's on his driveway. I know for a fact he salted it. But I used to panic because I thought that everyone told the truth. What I realized is a lot of people are just very self-motivated. And honestly, it says in my contract that I don't cover spalling driveways. And that is for a reason. And so if that happens, I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. But that's the agreement that we had. You could try to sue me. But I know for a fact I'm going to win. And it was that easy. And I moved on. And that was it. So that was kind of a cool thing that... I really realized when things get hard, the customer is not always right. And if I have to, I'll be kind of like a tough ass. Like I, I just don't really care. I'm like, not that I don't care about them, but at the end of the day, I care about me and I care about making things right. So I'm not going to cave in just because someone's upset. So that was a big learning lesson. Um, number eight, why it's important to give stuff up in delegation. Um, and... The, really the biggest thing for me with that is I've been delegating more and more and more as time goes, but this was the first year that I actually felt like a true business owner and not being in the business, right? And let me explain. So I don't know, a lot of you may or may not know, but the way that I have my business set up is I have a chief operations officer and then under him, I have an office manager, I have a salesperson, I have a project manager, then under the project manager, I have foremen and then the laborers, right? So really at the end of the day, there is nothing in the day-to-day business that I handle because the office manager takes care of a lot. If she can't handle things, she gets it solved by the operations manager and only under very rare circumstances does he need to come to me and he's like, hey, Tyler, we're in like a big pickle, like say for instance, if we're threatening to get sued, he obviously brought me in because I need to know about that. And it's not that I'm not involved in my business or anything like that, but it was really the first year that I like, as I sit here reflecting back, I was busy all day, all the time. But when I look back on it, like it wasn't really in my concrete company. I was like, man, that's cool. Like, and I gotta get to more like that. Like if anything, my time was a lot more filled up, like trying to help other contractors grow their business, run their marketing, and figuring out that whole business model, doing content, running my landscape business. But going into the future, what I really realized, I was like, man, why is Caesars Concrete so successful? Or like, how did it get to that certain stage? And I look back on it, and it's really because I did such a good job of letting others own their space, right? And obviously, in a new business, you can't really do that. But moving into the future, like I am diving way more into that because what I have a typical tendency to do and what most people have a tendency to do is they'll hire out, they'll say, fill that like one little need. And then they're going to fill their calendar immediately with like some task that may or may not be important. Just because I'm probably like a lot of you guys where you probably don't want to just like sit at home doing nothing, which I don't either. But I have a tendency, if I have free time, like it's going to get filled like that because I'm not just going to like waste time. You know what I mean? But I'm going to be way more intentional with how I'm spending my time with where I'm spending my time, with the tasks that I'm doing versus the tasks that maybe someone else should be doing, not because I'm lazy, but just because the whole business will function better if everyone has a lane that they can kind of own and they're held accountable to it. So I'm definitely doing that way more into the future. Which, Speaking of which, another learning lesson that I had is to fire fast. So this is one of those things that I should have talked more about with you guys this year, on my landscaping side of my business. Speaking of hiring, I hired an operations manager, and on paper, this person was a badass. They spent 20 years in the military. They had their Six Sigma uh, certification. They actually owned a construction company for two years, so they knew a ton about construction. And they just didn't want to like sell and market. And I was like, dude, we're like the perfect partnership. Like, he's a really nice guy, clean shaven, he's respectable. And I think this is what made it so hard is when I hired him. I really, really, really liked him and not just as an employee, but as as like a person like I would consider him like someone that I would be friends with. But when I hired him, I noticed that there was a lot of issues and we were having a lot of issues on the projects. You know, we used to be really profitable on our landscaping side and I kind of like entrusted him to do things. And all of a sudden we were going slow and mistakes were happening. And I remember I'd like go to him and I'd approach him like, Hey, like, dude, why is this happening? Like, I've never had these problems before. Like you're, you know, you're supposed to be fixing the problems, not causing problems. But at the same time, I, I respected him. Like, this is a man like 20 years my senior. And here I am some like young dude trying to tell him that he's wrong. Right. So it felt weird and uncomfortable to me. But in my gut, I had this feeling like this isn't working out. Right. And instead of me taking action and pressing and like really pushing the initiative, I kind of let him do his own thing, trying to like let him, I guess, like sink or swim. But there was to a certain point, and I'm like, there's no way that this is gonna work, but I felt too guilty about moving on. And I kept him on for three to four months. And honestly, looking back, like that three to four months caused so many problems for my business. I lost so much money. And looking back, you know, I hear, People say all the time, like, fire fast, fire fast, fire fast. If you don't, if you know right away that they're not right, it's not going to get fixed. And this was really the first time that that happened where I knew it in my heart of hearts and I didn't take action. And for all the reasons that I listed above, if I could go back, I could change it. But all I can do moving forward is know that if I get that gut feeling again, if I hire someone again and it's not working out, I'm not going to keep them around just because I feel bad, right? I, at the end of the day, I'm a business owner, I have to do what's best for the business. And it kind of is what it is. And so that is something that I'm not going to do moving forward. Number 11 is investing. And you know, I get a lot of people that talk about this all the time. And it's funny, right? Because I'm a part of landscape groups and concrete groups and all these business owners and people that get a little bit of money, they get like 3000 bucks. And they're like, Oh, man, I got to earn an ROI on my money. And you know, what I did was something just totally dumb. I had a couple hundred thousand and I was like, man, I want to get rich. And so what did I do? I wanted to get rich fast because who doesn't, right? Everyone wants to get rich fast. No one wants to get rich slow, but I put it in crypto. And as all of you guys know, crypto took a huge tank and really reflecting back, not just about like that situation, but even stocks, real estate and all that, You know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and on one of the podcasts in particular, it's a podcast with Dave Ramsey and Graham Stephan and Dave Ramsey is coaching Graham Stephan because Dave Ramsey is worth 600 million bucks, right? He's built a name for himself. He's obviously successful. He knows a thing or two about money. And Graham was like, you know, Dave, if you were me, where would you invest your money? And Dave is like, okay, uh, Graham, what do you know the best? And Graham's like, well, I know real estate, like 80%, like I know real estate and I know like 20% about stocks. They looked at Graham's portfolio and his portfolio was 80% real estate, 20% stocks. And Dave was like, no, congratulations. But what I realized is honestly, I'm not the smartest guy. I don't know real estate. I don't know crypto. I don't know stocks. So I don't know any of that stuff. And so what I realized is that moving forward, instead of dumping money into real estate or into crypto or into, into stocks, I'm gonna make way more money sticking to what I know best and investing my money in business. Cause that's what I know. Like I spend all of my time in business. I wanna learn about marketing and sales and hiring and leadership. And like, that's what I know, that's what I'm good at. And if you're really good at stocks or you're really good at real estate or you're really good at whatever, like by all means, like you do that. But what I really realized this year is I can't be a master of everything. And I have to pick the things that I'm actually good at and focus on that and don't spread out. Like a lot of people think they're like, oh man, all these billionaires, like they have all these sources of income, which is true. But how did they get rich? They got rich because they did one thing really good. They didn't do 10 things mediocre and that made them rich. Once they got rich, then they diversified. Right. But like, I'm definitely not rich. Like I'm probably like barely over, like what would be considered like a millionaire? Like maybe if I'm lucky, it depends on how you define it, but whatever. But anyways, what I realized is if... I want to grow that. I need to focus in, instead of trying to like go wide, I'm going to go really, really narrow, but like blow it up. So that's something that I'm looking to do in 2024. And I hope that serves as a reminder for you. If you have a wandering eye, don't do that. Just focus until you're like extremely successful, then you move on. So which speaking of which that leads me into another thing that I learned, which is what I call return on attention. And I kind of just talked about that. So I don't want to talk about that a ton, but I realized that if your attention is spread out everywhere, it's impossible to be really good at anything because being great at something like a lot of people are good at stuff and that will provide very mediocre returns. But what pays the best returns is being great at something. And so where I am going to be investing my time and attention in the future is one very narrow path. And I'm going to be very cognizant about that. Not having a wandering eye. Okay. So number 13 is, is, and I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about this, but when I say tightening numbers down, I thought I was really good at numbers before. Cause I did a budget. I had a man hour hourly price. I had overhead cost per hour, but with my business now, what I really have to focus on is efficiency. And so a cool program that we're going to implement next year is all of my foremen are going to clock all of my guys in, into direct jobs themselves using a software called LMN and LMN time. And then what that's going to allow me to do is track in real time how long it takes me to do a project. One, so I can motivate kind of like what I talked about earlier, motivate my foreman to push our guys to get jobs done faster because I'll give them bonuses. But two is the faster and better data that I have, the better decisions that I'm going to make. And I thought I was good at numbers and I'm like doubling down on that moving into next year. Longer time horizons. And this is really my last thing as I'm coming here and something that I really learned Um, you know, and specifically, right. Like, I think a lot of us have a tendency to beat ourselves up because we're like, oh man, like I'm not successful. You know, like you might compare yourself to me and be like, why am I not where Tyler's at? I might compare myself to whoever. And I'm like, man, why am I not where they're at? Like at the end of the day, there's being successful is not like you're successful or you're not successful. It's a continuum, right? So it's like, you could be like bankrupt and that's on one end of the spectrum. And on the other end of the spectrum, you could be the first person to make a trillion dollars. And what I realized is I always was hard on myself for not achieving something immediately. And it doesn't mean that that's not what I want to push for. But instead of next year, me judging myself based on my results, I'm going to judge myself based on what I'm actually doing. So like the inputs, because there's only certain things that I can control, right? Because it's possible I would have invested a bunch of money in crypto and I'd be super rich right now. And I'm almost glad that didn't happen because then I would probably have a huge ego and I'd be like, man, I must know a ton of stuff. When in reality, that would have been a bad decision no matter what, and I would have just happened to win. And so, what I'm gonna focus on in the future is lengthening my time horizon, not beating myself up like, man, why did I have a bad month or a bad week, or potentially even a bad year? And I'm really gonna focus on, okay, what are the things that I need to do on the day to day to day, to be successful, not over one year, but 10 years, right? Because if I keep doing things and I get better every single year and I don't really have complacency and all that stuff, like there's really no way that I'm not going to win, at least in some capacity in the long term. And that's something that I really learned this year, especially because, you know, I, I was trying the whole online business and everything's going good. But there are certain times I'm like, man, why is that not doing better? Right. And I have a tendency to beat myself up. Right. And what's funny is I'm probably at in that business where a lot of you are. In construction, maybe you're one, two years into it and you might be sitting there and you might be beating yourself up like, man, why am I not successful yet? But what I realized is like, we should really never have that doubt because it's not anything about you. Business is just hard and it's actually unreasonable to think that you're going to be successful in a short amount of time. And so it's actually more reasonable to think that you're not going to be successful in a short amount of time and that's going to suck and that actually success comes with the long-term attention. So as I look through um you know my notes and all of that i really think those are like the highlights i have a couple other things but with that being said that is my 2023 you know year in review recap of like from a very high level all the things that i really learned some of the things that i did good some things that i didn't do good And uh, the main purpose of this is that you could take some of the things that I've learned and I hope it helps you in your own journey. So with that being said, if you want to learn a little bit more about construction and all that, I'm going to obviously keep doing content in 2024. So make sure you subscribe and I will see you guys there.